All right, Marie, are you ready? <coughs> yes. Grab the microphone. Say hello to the audience. Kia ora. <laughs> Kia ora, welcome. Welcome. So, uh, Marie is a local counsellor therapist. Uh, normally we play a song, but we're just kind of ready today. Oh. And um, I've got that whole Raglan music history thing going on. I don't want to mess with the... Sounds great. Mess with the format. Yeah, good yeah. No, sounds. It's, it's good. It, it just, like I've got this long list. Marie's just seen my list of oh. songs just for the next, for, for around the 2019 to 22. Yeah, it's cool. We were I had to cramp treat. up. They've got about 40 tracks and I had to cramp up the um, the screen size to fit everything in so I could see it at once. Anyway... Marie's shows here. you the impact we've got, eh? Musically in, in Raglan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like lots, massive. lots happening. Um, so, <coughs> so yeah, we we talk about things generally, <laughs> all sorts of things because there's all sorts of things that people need to talk about, and so yeah, we do that. And um, what have you brought in today, Marie? What are, what are we going to start off with? Yeah, I just brought in this little. Well, it's not a quote. It was just a uh, self help post that I saw, and it was a. It's a picture of a woman. Um, cartoon picture of a woman uh, with her arms outstretched and she's got these rocks on her arms and they've all got the word pain uh, written on them and then the woman's saying wait what (laughs) and I don't know what that but but the but the message being that the heading is just because you can feel their pain doesn't mean you are supposed to carry it okay and you have you you have a richer, deeper definitions of words like pain and empathy and sympathy and all these sorts of things yeah. than most of us do. So I think you want to kind of unpick that a little bit because there's something yeah. in there that you you haven't quite disagreed with. So tell us about that. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, um, reading that, I straight away think, well, we don't – the message really is we don't carry another person's pain. We carry our own pain. Um, and, and often when people are, um, have a lot of empathy for others or, um, dare I say the word sympathy, uh, yeah, we can feel that we, when we you know, hear something tragic or we're, we're experiencing somebody else's trauma, that we are, we're feeling their pain. Um, and, and we don't even uh, think about what we're saying when we say that. We just say, oh, you know, I feel your pain. Yeah. But actually, you know, it's good for us to stop and and challenge some of these words that we use that describe something because actually we don't feel another person's pain. If if you, you, you just don't feel another person's pain, you are connecting to your own pain. And then we come alongside someone else's um, pain or grief or whatever that might be. Uh, trauma, and but but what we're actually connecting into is our own trauma and our own pain, and that is what is coming up for us, and not not the other person's experience of what they're feeling. Mm. So, is it helpful to try <coughs> to feel their pain when it means digging up our own pain? Well, I think that's the the key. Is that you know we're not looking at the language. You know, I feel your pain. It's kind of like well, actually, you need to challenge that yourself yourself a little bit around that and question that what we're saying to ourselves around that because actually you're feeling your own pain so where's that pain coming from if it's um you know you might you might land on your own grief you know recognize that this is coming from a place of of your connection to your own grief um it may come from a place that's deeper that you haven't uncovered yet and you might even be confused by your own sorry your own um connection to the pain that you're feeling like you might even go 
where is this coming from? I don't know. You know, it might be unresolved trauma sitting there for yourself. Is this mm. why? Is this why sometimes little kids you tell them about something sad and they laugh or they don't connect with it because they haven't had any serious trauma in their life yet? And yeah, well, that's a good one to bring up actually because it actually reminds me of a memory a fr- I had when a, I was very very per- little. A fresh person. Mm, I had a cousin who was uh, intellectually handicapped and. Um, she was actually adopted into our family, uh, but I really got on well with her, so I loved her coming over. They, they lived in Taranga, where we were miles, hours away. Yeah. So that we didn't see each other often. Her name was Sandra. I still remember her name. Um, <clears throat> and she actually she drowned uh, in the seawater. Uh, really, yeah, it was really tragic and sad. Um, and she, her and I had a great connection. Like, we communicated. I just loved communicating with her. As a kid, I really enjoyed her company. And so when she died, we were at the dinner table, and I was very young, uh, probably only about maybe six or seven. Mm. Um, and and our dad came back to the uh, table and told us that San- Sandra had passed, and I laughed. Right. <clears throat> and I laughed. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and I, got, I remember getting sent to my room, and I felt like I'd done the worst thing ever. I, I, I didn't realise what I'd done, and I didn't know that my laughter had offended my family. Um, but yes, so we can have a responsive laughter. I had no experience of death. I had no experience of somebody uh, passing that I cared for. I didn't understand the concept of it. Um, so you, so did you learn then that you're supposed to put on a display, the correct display? Well, uh, well, after I think when you hear news like that, yeah. Well, I think that after you know the response from my family and and the reaction I got, made something in me actually was like, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. Like you know, I had this overwhelming oh. <laughs> revelation that I was. I actually think I felt like I was a bad person because I had responded in a way that was offensive. But obviously, I didn't understand that as a kid. As now yeah, I that's do. Right, yeah. That's not the language I would have had back then. I would have probably withdrawn um, from my family and not realised what I had done mm. and been quite confused about it. Because I mean, out of my whole family, I probably was the closest to her yeah. and had the most relationship with her. So the loss for me was um, I, I probably I don't even know what I was thinking or why I laughed or maybe it was a nervous reaction or and an, an not knowing what to do. But, that, but it's that yeah, it was not knowing what to do. So this is what I mean. Like there's there's and there's obviously an expectation that you put on the right display. Mm. And and other perhaps other parents would have been quietly explained to you that that's not how you do it instead of growling you, but still, the the there would have been an expectation. Yeah, well, and and I mean, this is it. I hadn't connected to grief. No, you might not have had me. enough grief to connect well, with. N- nothing there in yeah. my life at that time to connect to a loss like that. Yeah. And so yeah, my reaction um, was offensive, but it was a a, a genuine. Reaction, like you know, I wasn't laughing because um, I'd lost my cousin. I, I, I had no idea why I laughed. Like I say, I probably oh, yeah. didn't even know what to do, um, or even understand what what had happened. But you know, we, we're talking here about um, you know when when people say they experience someone else's pain, um, you know, and and then we can fall into the trap of believing that we understand what they're going through. And we don't actually check in with people to see, you know, um, you know, what are you going through? How can I help you? We tend to come from the place of what I thought I needed at that time, and we may we may move in that 
um, arena and, and work from that space. You know, it's like, well, this is what I needed, so this is what I'll do for the other person. But actually checking in with them and asking them, you know, how can I help you in this time? Um, people will tell us <laughs> what they need, what they need, what they need. But I think, yeah, with this particular... Um, no, it's gone now off my phone. A little post. So Marie started off talking about a post that yeah. she saw online. With this, with this particular little post, um, yeah, it just it it stood out for me because it says, just because you can feel their pain doesn't mean you are supposed to carry it. That's a massive message. We, we should never carry someone else's pain in any response because we've probably got enough in our own life that we're carrying around and not recognising. But there's an expectation there, like I was mentioning before, the idea that you had, you made the wrong display. Mm. And there's an expectation that when someone's upset that you'll, you'll join them and be upset too. Yes. And, and you've just explained that when we do that, if we're feeling upset, we're tapping into our own pain anyway, yeah. not into, not into the, their pain because we can't physically do that. Um, so does it... Does it help the person who's sad for the people around them to become just as sad? Because there's an expectation. Yeah, guy, okay. In fact, so guys are used to being told off for not appearing sad enough. I certainly have been. That. Yeah, and but yeah. but for, I'm going to speak for, on behalf of guys right now. <clears throat> Some of us have been trained all through our lives not to show emo- mm. not to have emotions, mm. and we don't actually know how to go to those places. And we and we also feel really uncomfortable going to them because mm. we don't know how to get out of them. Yeah. So we, you know, so. And I'm thinking. Yeah, what's the point of going there and making yourself feel sad? Is it actually doing anything for the person who is sad? Yeah, that's a, a, a good wondering because there might be people there's, throwing there's things at their speakers right now. But yeah. I'll bring that. I'll put that in the mix. I agree. Um, empathy and sympathy are two different things, Aaron. Uh, empathy is coming alongside somebody and having an empathic response, like you know, I hear you know your pain or I hear your sadness. Um, you know, I've experienced that in my life. I can understand that. You know, that's an empathic um, response it's coming alongside somebody, not overtaking their their um, experience, but walking alongside their experience and just you know being beside them in it. Whereas sympathy is very much like, oh, you poor thing. How are you? Are <laughs> you feel, okay? I really, I really feel slightly <coughs> insulted. Like. <laughs> Looked down upon by that approach, I think. As soon as you it's did a, that, it's an interesting one, eh? I, you know, some people would probably argue with me over this one. Um, you know, I see the, all the sympathy cards. I suppose we can't have empathy cards. But this um, is this is what I was trying to explain before t- for the listeners that you have a deeper technical understanding of these words than, mm. than how they're commonly used. Yeah. So you, you see a big difference between empathy and sympathy. Yeah, I do. And the way you did sympathy, no one else could see it, but I could see it. Like I immediately <laughs> felt like, oh. <laughs> This doesn't, it doesn't actually feel good <laughs> to have someone be that kind of sympathy, that kind of sympathy oh, towards kind you. Of, yeah. It kind of puts you, it kind of puts you deeper down into the oh, I'm in a hopeless place. Yeah, well, it can be, it can close down conversation too because you don't really, can't really go very far with it. Um, you know, when you're in the in the midst of loss, grief, or trauma, you know, somebody oh, you poor thing, and puts their hand on you. I mean, it. You know, where are we going to go with this? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you my story. I probably don't want to go back into trauma. You know, sympathy can kind of make us feel like we have to say something too uh, to explain our, where, we, where we're at. Whereas empathy just says, I, I see you. You know, I can see that you're hurting. Um, 
it's, it's not about trying to take that and, and claim it for myself. And now we're both in the, in the misery pit and neither of us can get out <laughs> because we're both stuck in, in whatever the, the um, memories are of, of what we're experiencing. And they're going to be very different uh, memories. They're not going to be the same. Um, so you can have very confused couples sitting there uh, trying to work through whatever it is that, that has come to the surface. Mm. And probably neither of them are going to be able to find their way out because they are experiencing their own pain and, and misery. Uh, so empathy might be more about you know you know coming alongside and being with um, rather than the sympathy, whereas like that's more of a you know oh man you okay like <laughs> you poor thing. You don't say that stop really say hurts. That. Stop say that to oh. me. <laughs> You poor thing. That's a, it's actually it's terrible. It's a terrible thing to have happen. Even people viewing you as a poor thing. I, well, it, it, is. it robs you of it robs you of oh, sense of agency. I think. I like that word. Robs you. I think that was wonderful because yeah. it does actually rob you in a way of actually attaching to your own feelings, because now uh, the person who is experiencing the trauma or their grief is now experiencing yours <laughs> as you as you. Um, Connect in and, and give your story about. Well, they've stolen your grief. You could have stolen your grief. Your yeah, absolutely. Well, they might steal the moment because yeah, they're they dwelling, still... in their, dwelling on their own. Yeah, and and Should... you can go. No, no, you, you can yeah. go. <laughs> we can get caught in that, and then and then it's all about you know and what it is that we're experiencing in our grief or trauma or or whatever it is that that's causing this great pain in us. Um, Whereas the person who's not actually experiencing the trauma or the pain is the stronger one in this and can support this person. But if we take ourselves down to where they are, or down isn't a good word, but where they are at, then we too are stuck there. Now, a counsellor might do that. As a counsellor, you know, we will get in the, in the miry um, swamp <laughs> yeah. with the person, uh, but we don't stay there. And you also have training yeah. to get out of it. And, yeah, well, you, okay. and yeah. as a counsellor, you have to attend counselling yourself. You have yeah. like a clinical a, supervisor. A, there we go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my job might be to be there with that person, and that's okay because I can be there with them without being overtaken by it, yeah. and it becomes a story of mine rather than their story. Whereas yeah. often that happens in relationship or friendships. When we get together and we express something, you know, their story becomes my story, and my story becomes their story, and it gets all mixed up. And we're just trying to express, you know, trauma and grief, and it's it's really going nowhere. I suppose on the <clears> other <throat> side of things, we have the tendency to want to immediately fix things mm. as well, which is t- too far the other way. Mm. Um, I'd hazard a guess. Yeah. I yes. As you know, as they help a person. And what's wrong with feeling anyway? What's wrong with actually going, you know, if a person is miserable about something or some trauma has come up for them, what's wrong with that them uh, um, working through that and the other person that is with them not being drawn into that but actually staying uh, strong in themselves and supporting that person rather than um, getting down in the mire with them? Uh, because that can be, 
it's hard to get out of that. It's actually hard to break that. How do you break that once you start those conversations and you're in that environment? For a counsellor, we have an hour. So we, we, we know we're going, there's an end to this. We are going to wrap this up and we are going to bring it round to a place that is probably more healthier to land in than where we, than where we started. Equally but, for your sake as much <clears> as theirs because you've got another client coming in 15 well, minutes. Well, it's actually my responsibility not to send my client out in trauma. Well, there's that too, yes. And so yeah. I'm very aware of that, that we have a time limit and I'm going to bring this around and then I'm going to make sure the person is in a, um, a, a, that they're present when they leave, that they're not walking out in trauma and traumatised or still carrying, or maybe still carrying things, obviously, yeah. but that it's not affecting them to, into their day so badly. I've, I've made sure that there's some backstops. What are they going to do from here? What are they going to do for themselves? And, you know, um, bring, it, bring it back so that it's not, you're not stuck in the trauma. So in a relationship, that doesn't happen. Can we have some advice for guys? Uh, they've just heard that they don't actually have to put on a display of sadness you now. Know, make a cup of tea. Make a, <laughs> make a cup of but, tea. But also, we know that trying to fix it immediately... <laughs> Yeah, no. um, is, 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 or starting to give advice immediately is not appreciated either. No. Marie's shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. So men, kind of, men are very much fixer. And women are too. <clears throat> but, yeah, men can be very much, I want to fix this. How can I fix this? How can I make this right? How can I make this go away type thing? Yeah, yeah. How can you make it go away? Yeah, yeah. never ever come back again. Yeah. Darken our doors <laughs> Pre- again. Preferably, yeah. <laughs> um, and... I, as soon as a person hears that, they're on the defensive because it's not about fixing it because you actually can't fix it. And sometimes it's just about hearing and listening to the other person until they have come to, um, you know, they've finished what they're saying and just supporting them in that. Um, like that sounds really, you know, really heavy for you. Or that sounds really uh, full of grief or you know, it could be anything. I don't know because I, I don't know what the conversation might be, but whatever, whatever it might be, that um, you aren't trying to make it right for the person because you actually can't. And all they're wanting to do is express their grief. You especially can't write, make it right in the moment. No. And, and that might be, um, you might hear language that is hurtful and, and painful, but it's going to pass. Uh, the tears are going to pass. And the moment is going to pass. Um, the best that we can do is support a person in that, and it might be like just sitting with them and allowing them to to cry, and not asking, "What can I do for you?" or "How can I fix this?" You know, what you know, just being there, and and that's it. Like, you don't have to do anything. That's the problem: is that we feel like we have to do something. Well, maybe you're suggesting <clears throat> making a cup of tea. A cup of tea is always good. Fill up. <laughs> <laughs> give that, that urge to do something a, a bit of an outlet <laughs> well it feels like we you know and that's hard to sit in someone else's grief because you are experiencing someone else's pain um, you just said we can't experience their pain well no well we are <laughs> we're experiencing our pain from watching them right. or in, in that you know like you're right we can't experience their pain but we are experiencing something yeah. and we are connecting to that and so even if, if we're in love with the person then we, we're obviously experiencing our sadness and our grief around their pain that they are hurting and I can't fix this um, once you realise you can't fix that 
then what, so what can I do? You know, what does this person need from me? And it could be simply, I just, I just need you to sit with me or I just you know, need you to hear this and not respond in any way. Just hear, whether it's right or wrong, um, whether what I'm saying is correct, it doesn't actually matter. It's the fact that the person can get it out and feel safe enough to do that uh, and not have it pulled apart and then try to fix it. There is, I know there's situations where people might be talking about some trauma that they haven't talked about before because of issues of shame, and you've talked about mm. this in the past, but like the feeling that they're not meant to talk about it or that people will be angry or that if they don't get some kind of reaction, they're going to feel like they shouldn't have talked about it, like there's issues surrounding that. That's quite a hard one. I think this is a counsellor's job, but mm. people might find themselves in that situation where somebody's revealing something for the first time. And it's, and if they, like if they get an impassive response, they'll be thinking, oh, maybe this isn't a big deal. There's just something wrong with me. Like I'm, I'm now thinking of the trickiest of scenarios. And and it's a memory's coming forward for me where I can, <clears throat> I've actually had that experience in my own life and um, did expose something in my life early on in my early twenties, uh, and did not get a response. Um, and the effect of that, yeah, it took me a couple of years actually to seek out help yeah. after that response because I didn't get a response. I thought it didn't matter and that it really wasn't such a big deal. Obviously, if I didn't get any response, then it didn't didn't matter. Yeah. Um, so no response isn't the answer either. It's no good to give no response. I mean, to have empathy is to come alongside somebody like, how can I support you in this? Yeah. What do you need from me? You know. Um, I remember my early twenties, like after a party, and someone in my circle of friends, and it was a kind of a new circle of friends. We were about to leave, and she started revealing all sorts of stuff to me, and I, I had no idea. You know, I was a young guy in my early twenties, hadn't seen any really heavy trauma in my life. I had no clues what to do with that. It was I was the wrong person to be talking to. I kind of pretended to. Li- well, I listened. And tried to look like I cared. <laughs> but, okay, must but, have worked. <laughs> well, I, well, I have no idea. She right. needed to be talking to a counsellor, yeah. not to a random dude at a party who who she hoped would, yeah, you know, care. And that, that's the sad thing about she, you know trauma and uh, in our younger years, trauma in our older years. You know, we are going to seek support. We are probably going to reach out a lot more. But in our younger years, it can be very tricky, and we think oh, no, it wasn't such a bad thing or that nobody's actually going to believe me, you know, or that it's, um, you know, it was only a one-off, it doesn't matter. And then we go out and we drink and and get into parties and stuff like that and we expose things about ourselves that others have no idea what to do with this. And, And that's what happens when we're younger. Often trauma does come out through alcohol, the things that have happened to us, you know, that we I don't remember her being very in. drunk. Mm. Like I felt like I feel like from memory she was reasonably pretty sober. So she must have been really reaching out. Yeah, uh, I think these days, somebody. like a generation later, I think the kids know about counsellors as a place to go much more. I hope they do anyway. I do because uh, there's counsellors in schools, so they have that kind of connection there. And actually, often with even adults, I'm with in my uh, work that I do. A lot of them have been to counsellors in their younger years, and mm. school counsellors. So yeah. I, I always ask, you know, have you done counselling before, if it's a new client? Um, and 
many of them have said, yeah, you know, in my younger years I got I did this at school and I had to go see the school counsellors, usually when they did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not what the counsellors for, but... Back then, maybe that's what it was for, and, and they were like, and it was really awkward and weird, and, and you know, um, yes, yeah, so I didn't say much, but uh, well, it's you interesting been, so that done, they had tried to click in. Have you done counselling in schools? Yes. So you've been the person when someone comes in and they really don't want to be there and don't want to talk much. Like, what do, what do you do? Play cards with them. <laughs> oh really? Get out the chessboard, checkers. Yeah, I don't counsel. Um, I come from a strength based. Uh, practice when working with oh, youth. You've talked about this year with youth. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so I don't. It's not about coming in and seeing the uh, the expert, so to speak. You know, it's my job to build relationship. You can't just expect somebody to want to talk to you about their deep and meaningfuls. Just because the principal <laughs> sent them in. Yeah, just because all the teachers were like, you've done something, you get out of here, go see that counsellor, <laughs> go sort this out. Sort you out. <clears throat> and yeah. it's very different. In a school environment uh, than it is in my uh, clinic environment yeah. um, or my office over there, uh, because you're you know the school is wanting the child to function at the school, you know to be able to do their schoolwork and and hopefully have good relationships with yeah. peers and teachers, yep. and so it can be very much focused on the school environment. Um, yeah, and when we look at the home life, uh, you know, it can be a bit more in depth. But that's you know, school counselling can often be around supporting the child through the school environment. Yeah. Um, looking back into family stuff, often that can go outside of the school. So, what do you mean by strength-based practice then, with with people under eighteen? Yeah, strength-based, and we should strength-based practice. <laughs> we should all be doing this anyway. It's looking at our strengths. Uh, looking at, at the positive, what we do well. What is it you do well? Like, what do you enjoy doing? Um, so it's looking at, and it might be, you know, they might be good communicators or they might be, um, they might be good comedians. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. often are. Um, they might be deep thinkers. Um, you know, they, they, they might be creative and artistic. They might be musical. They could be mathematical. You know, they might like quizzes and things that we, you know, we don't think about all the time. <laughs> so, looking at their strengths, what is their strength? You know, and, and kids often they go, well, you know, what do you like to do? And it's good to ask them those questions because then you get some. Because you know, you're talking about the things that they enjoy, so you're moving away from the things that are obviously bringing them into the counselling, which is uh, whatever's been picked up in the school, and looking more so at building a kind of a relationship that's uh, e- more easy to move into. This, that kind of tells me that there's a lot of kids who are just focusing on the negative stuff. Somehow they've ended up in that situation where mm. they where they, or the attention is on the negative stuff. Maybe it's because of outside forces. Maybe it's from them inso- internally. But do they value those other things? If they're saying being a good comedian, they might be, well, yeah, that's cool, but, you know, it's not, it, yeah, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, I think when we're in a school environment, often, you know, we don't get sent to the principal. We don't get sent somewhere if we've done something really good. Well, not most of the time, anyway. Right. So this Sometimes is, yeah. we do. Sometimes we do. <laughs> Might be getting an award or something, but be pretty pretty big most deal. Most of the time, if you're getting sent somewhere, it's because you've done something wrong. You know, you, you're wrong. Yeah. You're bad. You're naughty. You're disruptive. You're whatever, whatever. You've already getting, or you're already receiving labels on you 
that are suggesting that you're probably not doing so well. Um, yeah. So they already have a good concept that they're not doing good. <laughs> yeah. So already coming in with a negative. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, even when, when I worked at Parent Line with uh, really young children. And this wasn't a phone service. It no. It says Line. But yeah, no, yeah, Parent Line's an organisation. Um, everything I worked with was from a strength-based practice. You've got to look at what are their strengths and what do they enjoy doing and focus in on that and make that the bigger picture because what they're coming in with, the bigger picture is that it's quite negative. You know, yeah. they're naughty, they're bad, they're uh, disruptive. The world's know, against they, they them. Can't, well, maybe. they can't sit still, they can't close their mouths, they can't whatever, whatever it is. Um, yeah. They're terrible to the teacher, rude or, um, you know, all these sort of things. So... I'm not going to get very far with that, am I? If I oh, what, what happened with the teacher? <laughs> you know, and, and the child will go, well, well, she just didn't listen to me or something like this, or she didn't see me properly. It'll be just a short, very short conversation. Uh, that's not going to get me far. So, yeah, yeah um, I might play cards, last card, snap. Um, Are they surprised? Fish. Are they surprised when you pull out a card? Oh, they love it. Take <laughs> a cards, they're like, I thought you were a counsellor. Yeah, true. I've had some of that. I'm like, no, 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 let's play cards. Like, do you like playing cards? Like, what do you want to play? Do you want to, you know, might have some games there. It's probably quite um, a relief, actually, isn't it? Yeah, or, or some. some um, sometimes we have um, tactile things they can hold in their hands and move around and make different shapes with. It just helps to take the concentration off what they're talking about so the you know, impact of that, you know, so they can keep their hands busy. It's tactile. Do you return eventually to the problems? Oh, at some point I will. Um, sometimes never. <laughs> it might never get there, but we will get around it. We might might go around that. Um, we might not dive straight into what they've come into, uh, come in for. Um, more so, it's about wanting to build them up and and their self esteem because they're not even fully developed in their mind yet. So yeah. concepts around their who they are and this, how do they fit with their peers? And um, yeah, I, I remember once I showed um, a young boy how to make uh, water balloons. Do uh, you remember those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, water bombs, water bombs, yeah, sorry. Oh, really? Yeah, water bomb. Um, what about the but principal- sounds, don't say the word bomb. I mean, it wasn't a bomb. It's just it's not a bomb. <laughs> it's just made out of paper with it holds water. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, we used to do this Oh, you just fold the paper. You fold yeah, the paper you fold up. the paper yeah, yeah. up into it, and you can draw on the paper with crown and make it waterproof. And then, um, so oh. that, yeah, so it lasts longer, oh, you know so you can get you, it further. You know what you're doing. <laughs> I do know what I'm doing, because this is what we used to do when we were younger. But, you know, I showed this um, young boy how to make a, a water bomb, and and uh, he wasn't so, um, how, uh, how do you call it, in his class, like he wasn't... Um, a big troublemaker? No, but he wasn't ex- not acceptable. That's not it. But he wasn't in the in group in his right. class. He was kind of in the out group. Yeah. Anyway, showed him how to make this water bomb, and and he went to school and asked his teacher if he could, you know, show the class what the, what he'd what he'd learn in this water bomb and and how to do it and everything like that. And the kids loved it because we're talking about a young guy, yeah. young kid, and they were like, he went from no cool to very cool very quickly, <laughs> you know, and it just changed his world because he 
he had interaction with other kids that he wasn't getting. Yeah. And they were like, how do you do that? And then he, then he showed them the other bit about how to cra- colour it in yeah. with crown and then he could I make waterproof I more. I didn't know about the crown, but I have to admit. <laughs> so, you know, this, uh, little things like that. So his self-esteem grew. Uh, and the the actual issue he came in for was a, wasn't about that. It was about him and being seen in his class and and having some value there. Yeah, it made him feel better. Um, yeah, so strength based practice. It doesn't you know it could be anything. Finding something that that um, that they feel good about themselves uh, within, and we do that. We can do that as adults too strength-based practice, often we look at the negatives and what people are doing wrong, but what are they doing well? <laughs> yeah, we have, we have such a tendency to focus. People say, oh, it's a, terrible, it's a terrible world out there, and, you know, and the world's going from bad to worse. Mm. And I'm like, you guys are just watching too much news. Yeah. Like, I really, really yep. believe that now. It's yep. a massive machine that deli- finds, it scours the world for all the worst information and delivers yep. it to you. It's a massive machine. Yep. Please be careful of it. it, Yeah, it's very dangerous stuff. Be careful around it. Well, it's very negative. And And it doesn't represent what – I mean, it's factual information, Mm. but it doesn't represent the balance of the world. The balance of it is – I mean, look at, you know, the trees out there. They're fine. They're they're growing. They're thriving in an area surrounded by asphalt where they're not supposed to be able to thrive. Yeah. You know, like like the natural world is – Amazing. All around me, I, I see it thriving. And people say, oh, yeah, but there's a place overseas where such and such is happening. I say, but you heard about that on the news, right? There's also places overseas where things are going fantastic, yes. where people are sorting out environmental problems and succeeding oh, and coming up with, so with ideas. And, and, but we're, we're just not focused on that Strength-based practice. There it is. That's a strength-based practice. Look at what's going well. Look at what – you're so right. We have focused so much on what is not going well, we can't live under this kind of um, oppression, not mentally in our minds. Emotionally, we're going to get affected by that. We cannot do this. You know, There's got to be some input of what's going well. Otherwise, we become a depressed lot who think the world's coming to an end, um, you know, um, and all is lost. And it's not. It's not lost. And we, like you say, the... The trees are still growing, the earth is still here, we're still, we're still living and we've still got um, a fabulous future in front of us, especially if we do it in, in a community and don't isolate ourselves out on our own but actually work as a community. We'll survive what happens. I, I know that there's people out there saying, you've been naive, haven't you read the science? <laughs> And, and, and all that sort of thing. Hang and on, I, I'd like to say, well, I'm a Christian, and so yeah, I think about the coming back of Jesus. So, yeah, I've read the okay, signs. So. <laughs> He's like, no, we're not going there. But I'm not going well, there. Well, no, it's Aaron. not that I don't want to go there. It's, it's the, it's the, the people I'm thinking of who are asking the first question I, I put are, are not going to. No. They're not going to value that. But, that but, but that's at all. what I'm saying. But that's the, 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 the signs we're looking for, right? I'm not looking for that sign. Why on earth would I want to look for the sign of, of even in my faith of the end times? Of the end times. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So even as a, in my faith, I can land in that. Oh, there's end and, times. And plenty have. And plenty have. I hear it all the time. We're in the end times and all of this. Yeah. I'm like, hang on a minute. That's okay. And I'm not saying this to people. I'm thinking, okay, that's okay. But they actually, actually, we're still alive. The end times <laughs> are supposed to last for seven years, aren't they? A long time. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought they were supposed to last for seven years because yeah. I've been hearing about the end times for more than seven years. Yeah, but that it doesn't all. matter what we talk about. People are, you know, the world's coming to an end. 
food's coming to an end, our health's coming to an end, everything's coming to an end. You know, if we keep believing this stuff, we're just, it's a defeatist way of thinking. We'll give up. Yeah, you are defeated by thinking like that. And that's the thing I wanted to bring for, for people who are saying we're being naive and that having you read the science. <laughs> and my point is that you, you can't keep putting that in people's faces and expecting mm. them to have the energy and the drive yes. to do something about the problems. That's it. We all know that there's problems out yep. there. There's, there's no yep. need to keep raising awareness. Yep. No. If I, if I see one more person wanting to raise awareness, I'm going to scream. <laughs> but probably off the air. <laughs> You're but, so right there. I but, totally yeah. agree. We don't need more people raising our awareness. We are fully aware um, because the, the messages are getting bombarded at us everywhere. Um, and so we can't, like I said before, we can't live under this and and feel a sense of excitement or hope or um, vision for the future. So or just belief that things are going to get better. Can get better. Well, they may never get better, but in our environment they could. In our community they can. You know, things are still growing and things are still um, developing. So we become defeatists when we look at that bigger picture and go, oh, doomsday, we're all doomed and we're all coming to the end. Well, that's fine, but we're not at the end yet. So <laughs> shall we just enjoy the ride until we get there? Because when it happens, we're all going to be involved in it. You know, whatever that might be, we're all going to be in this together. So how do we do life? Let's just do life and live until we don't live. But let's not, let's not live for the, for the end. Let's live for, yeah. to be alive. And I just think you can't see solutions when you're only looking at the problems, when you get overwhelmed. If, if you lose your sense of hope, a solution will walk past you in the street and you won't even see it. Well, that's kind you're of where we, bl- where we started with, You're blind too. to it. Yeah, where we started with when we try and get in the, in, the, in the darkness with other people where they're at, we lose. You know, if we think that we, we feel their pain and we get stuck in it with them, then we also lose the ability to support that person. Um, and, and so to be able to go, well, actually, you know, this is their pain, this isn't my pain, and I can still be in around this person in their pain and support them, but in a way that is healthy, not where I'm going to increase their grief and my own, <laughs> but where I can actually support them. Maybe they need, you know, if you've got a fire, light the fire, you know, like get them a blanket, go and make a cup of tea and check in with them and say, man, you know, you're doing awesome through this. This is a really hard time for you, but I want you to know you're doing really, you're doing really well. Yeah. It's funny, you just met Karanoa who was in the studio before mm. doing a CD swap and I interviewed her yesterday and, and she was, I was, we were talking about she didn't learn to reo growing up but learned it as an adult and we are talking about the anger around having that robbed from your culture mm. and, and, and then she was saying yeah, that, the anger is there and it's real and she talks to people, you know, say like I fully acknowledge it, I'm, I'm trying to I'm using my words to try and yeah. get her meaning across but but acknowledge that that's a real hurt and a real pain. But she says, we've got a co-papa we're working on here. We're trying to build something. Mm. And we haven't got time to dwell f- for long in the pain because we're trying to build something new. And, and she's talking about the growth of the language and she's yeah. teaching to Rayo. Um, so she's looking at those strengths. Yeah, yeah. Like like she's not dismissing no. what's happened. We and, can acknowledge and, and it. The, and the hurt that people feel over that. Mm. But she is saying, let's 
you know, we've yep. got a job to do. I guess, yeah, that's absolutely. And my, and my and my phrase, my language, my phrasing. It's like, yeah, we've got a job to do. Yeah. So that's new ground. What's this look yeah. like? And How that, do we and want that to do is, it going forward? And that can be speaking on my behalf of my own experiences here. That can be is very uplifting. Yes, to be doing something constructive. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of looking at what we've done wrong. You know, we don't want to repeat history, and we don't want to repeat history, but we're adults. You don't have to keep telling us what we don't need to repeat because we're very aware <laughs> of what we don't want to repeat. Okay, so let's move past that. And actually, what do we want to move into? How do we want to do this? Let's look at the strengths of what we're doing. Uh, if we keep dragging on, on on what we didn't do well, we'll, we'll miss how, you know, the, the impact of doing something well, the excitement that it, it um, creates in other people when we're on a, in a movement where it's something is moving into a positive um, arena rather than feeling like we're trudging along all the trauma that goes with it. Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, we're lucky we live in a community where people are building new things and finding new ways yeah, well, to, we need to, to. to clean up messes. Well, we we don't want to do things the same way we've we've always done that. We want to grow and and develop, uh, try new ground. New ground is where new things happen. It's like when we use a new language. You know, and, you know, if you've always said, um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to think of something we might always say that that would trigger us. Oh, can't even think of anything right now. Okay, sure. <laughs> It's coming, gone. <laughs> we're, near, we're getting near the end of the interview. I, I, I think I just want to refer to, I guess, a personal, one personal experience, which is getting to understand the story behind extreme waste or extreme zero waste, as they're called now. And you were there right at the start, um, and your husband PJ was there. And I learned about the story, and I wanted to participate in that mm. somehow. And people often have that reaction to extreme somehow. My way to participate was to make a film about it. Yeah, you know that was that was that was my way, and to have a have a piece of that good feeling action. Yeah, and yet, that you guys had it kicking it off was something incredible. like that. Incredible! What an incredible uh, story! Uh, you know, it was such a, a treasure that what you did with the filming of that uh, history that we have there, and yet. Um, extreme waste needed to come from a strength-based practice. We needed each other to speak well into each other because there were so many people uh, against what we were doing and 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 um, yeah, the, es- the established to, way of doing things yeah, was, wasn't very ready. Negative. wasn't very wasn't ready to accommodate it. No. really, was it? No, it does now. They, count, they, would, they tried very hard to pull many things down. Yeah. Whereas if we hadn't, if we'd if we'd gone along with that, we wouldn't even gotten off the ground. <laughs> Yeah. would have gone like, oh, this is too hard and nobody's ever going to agree and yeah. all of this. But no way. There were people in that group that that were born to be strength-based <laughs> yeah. people who could push past negativity and actually see the bigger picture for the for the benefit that was going to be. And that, that's what we need to be in each other's lives too when we're dealing with, with trauma or grief and, and loss is, is that, yes, um, we can f- obviously feel the pain, but we're feeling our own grief. It's not the other person's pain we're feeling. It's our own, and, and be aware of that. And, and um, to walk alongside someone else is to have an empathy towards them, not a sympathy, but an empathy like, yeah, t- I come alongside this, I, I hear your pain, not like don't go into the, you know, you poor thing. This, you know, this is terrible. <laughs> 
terrible for you. Yeah. Must be terrible situation you're in. Well, absolutely yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like it's like hammering the nails into the and coffin. Pretty much, isn't it? eh? Like, That's what it feels like. I don't like. really want to hear that from you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I want some empathy, not some... Yeah, I want somebody who's going to um, come yeah. alongside me and actually be with me but not take over. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Hey, folks, we've been talking to Marie, local counsellor therapist. Thank you for coming in. You're welcome. And we'll see Marie again in a couple of weeks. And... Oh, you're taking your microphone sock off while the mic's still on. Sorry. <laughs> I'll put the mic... I'll turn the mic off and now you can do it, Marie. It's fine. And uh, I'm going to play Black Seeds. Game over. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Here's a much better one. Finn Razel, Negativity No More. When you're feeling good about nothing at all, happy inside when you're on your own, it's a good, good place, don't you know? Cause I've been confused at times About what's going on deep within my mind But now I know how to read the signs Well, I don't need your negativity in my life, no Oh-oh-oh, so you can leave your baggage at the back door Cause I've been trying to stay positive for a while now Oh-oh-oh, so you can leave your negativity at home well, darling, don't need it no more, no more, no more, no more. Darling, don't need it no more, no more, no more, no more. Darling, don't need it no more, no more, no more, no more. Darling, don't need it no more, no more, no more, no more. Darling, don't need it no A killer, so I'm thrilled to be standing right by your side Impatience is the potion to alleviate emotions that we seem to hide See, lately everything feels like a little bit hazy in my life See, lately everything feels like a little bit hazy in my world I don't need your negativity in my life, no Oh-oh-oh, so you can leave your baggage at the back door For a while now, oh, 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 so you can leave your negativity at home. Well, darling, don't need it no more, no more, no more, no more. Darling, don't need it no more, no more, no more, no more. Darling, don't need it no more, no more, no more, no more. Darling, don't need it no more, no more, no more, no more. Negativity in my life, no, oh, oh, so you can leave your baggage at the back door. Cause I have been trying to stay positive for a while now, oh, oh, so you can leave your negativity at home. Well, darling, don't need it no more.